You're listening to the Joint Practices Podcast. Dad, who am I named after? You're named after my favorite thing in the world, son. Winning. With your host, Sean Lamont. People are going to listen to the first 20 seconds and be like, nope, this sucks. <laughs> Steve Knox. No, but I'm going to tell Elijah to go masturbate with maple syrup tonight. Let me know how that goes for you. And Elijah Arnold. You know what I did? I put some fucking honey and sugar around the rim and I drank it like a basic bitch. Are you excited, girl? I'm so excited, girl. Yo! Welcome back to the Joint Practices Podcast. This is the podcast for fans, by fans, as fans like me. I'm your host, Sean Lamont, on Twitter, at 11thegoat. Joined tonight by my two co-hosts. My buddy from another muddy, the OG Olive Garden Pam, Mr. Super Sticky, Steve Knox on the Twitter bird at the Knox says. Hi, Steve. Hi. What's uh, good, Poppy? I'm going to start off the podcast a little, little downer moment and we'll elevate uh, as the show goes on. But rest in peace to uh, Mr. Eddie Van Halen, one of the great guitarists of our time. And. Passed away today, 65, after a long battle with throat cancer. But my God, that man can handle a guitar unlike anybody else. He is a git fiddler. So let's cheer it up a little bit. Let's bring in Elijah Arnold on Twitter at Wrong Elijah, the king of the pun himself. He's very punny. Elijah. All right. Football. All right. Episode 113, here we go, folks. After last week, which was week three of the NFL season, the hapless Philadelphia Eagles were 0-2-1. And, and now we are division leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, the NFC least. 1-2-1, the palindrome. Yeah. Division leaders. Just, they don't uh, They don't disappoint the NFC least. Jeez. I'll tell you what. If you would have told me coming into this week that out of our three teams, mine would be a division leader, I would have said, you've been hanging out with Uncle Steven. <laughs> ah, I mean. That means you're high. It's, uh, it's crazy. Just none of those teams have got off to a very good start. And it like, continues, sort of. Bill Parcells says you are what your record says you are, and uh, your record says you're the division leader, no matter how shitty that record is. So congratulations. And Dennis, the other guy, says... Don't. I'm using that later. Don't. Don't. It's Denny Green, by the way. I know who it is. Don't. (laughs) Hey, hey, you know what? In our preseason predictions, there was one thing that kind of came up continually when we were speaking about the Houston Texans because I'm pretty sure we all wanted Bill O'Brien to be fired and thought this would be the year. Guys, I did not think it would be four weeks into the season. I mean, I did. Goodbye. <laughs> I figured if you he's... the weakest coach. If he's going to mm-hmm. get booted, then they're going to have to come off a, you know, a really terrible start as they have. Um, 
And here's the biggest thing. Okay, we know he, he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Despite that, the Texans still have the NFL's highest payroll this year, $248 million. And if you got the highest payroll and you haven't won a game yet through four weeks, you probably shouldn't have a job. This is a real defense against the dark arts <laughs> position. Like, it just, he should have won games, he didn't, and now he's gone. And uh, Romeo Cornell becomes the oldest coach in the NFL, interim or otherwise. Who cares? Uh, he's bringing in Charlie Weiss as the offensive coordinator, which I'm in favor of, and we'll see what they do. Well, let me just, because talking about the Texans, they fired Bill O'Brien as the coach and GM, just in case anybody isn't up to date on that story. And let's tie it right in and start with you, Steve, because your Minnesota Vikings finally get a win, 31-23 to over these Texans. And not for nothing, the Texans had chances to put points on the board. They had chances to win this game. I mean, they were literally, they scored a touchdown at the end of the game, which should have given them a chance at a two-point conversion to tie it although the touchdown was overturned after replay. I mean, the Texans had the ball, I don't know how many times, in the red zone and just could not come away with points. Or touchdowns, I should say. Yeah. They settled for field goals way too often in a game where Minnesota was in control. Like, on offense, they literally could do whatever they want. They were moving the ball. And I'll tell you what. Good news for you, Steve, is in the year 2020, in games where Kirk Cousins does not throw an interception, the Vikings are undefeated. Yeah, it's weird. When you don't turn the ball over, you actually win games. Uh, it's a bold strategy, and I advise them to try it once again in the coming weeks. Uh, but it, I think it's becoming very apparent for Minnesota, and this will be the first time in probably like 20-plus years that the Vikings are an offense-first team. But this is the only way they're going to win games. you got to put up 30 points on the board like they have the last couple of weeks, and then you hope that the defense does what it did against the Texans this week, which was, yeah, let them move the ball, but don't let them get in the end zone. And it's kind of been their MO for the last few years that, yeah, okay, we'll give up chunk plays, but once you get down inside the 20, inside the 10, you know, we tighten it up, you can't get it in. And you settle for field goals, and that's that's <laughs> what <it>. said. <laughs> that's uh, it's gonna have to be their mo moving forward. And uh, the offense just continues to look better and better. I know I've made fun of Gary Kubiak saying they needed to figure it out. Well, I think they are moving in the proper direction. Um, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are now PFF's top two wide receivers in the league, so that's interesting. And uh, finally, you know, it seems like something clicked uh, between the, you know, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson over these last couple of weeks. He's a serious threat. Teams can't just roll their coverage to Adam Thielen anymore and then shut everything else down because nobody's stepping up. So very, very important for them, as well as the fact that Dalvin Cook went off for another 130 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, Having a big Fantasy year. Fantasy darling. He's having a big year. Uh, he's the 12th running back since 1950 to have 400-plus rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns through the first four games. 
and now I want to play a little game with you guys. Going back and forth, can you guys give me the other... Well, there's only ten other guys, because one guy did it twice. But going back and forth, so starting with Elijah, give me a running back through the first four weeks of a season, had 400-plus rushing yards and six touchdowns. I don't fucking know. Uh, Jamal Lewis. Well, Sean would have been wrong right off the bat. Damn. All right, so we're talking since 1950? Yeah. Barry Sanders. No. All right, game's over. We both lost. Who cares? <laughs> Mike Ditka. Actually, Jim Brown was <laughs> has the first two, the top two. Great. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Smith, Terrell Peterson. Davis, Priest Holmes. I was going to say Priest Holmes. I went with Jamal Lewis. <laughs> Sean Alexander, LaDainian Tomlinson, Eric Dickerson, uh, and Stephen Davis. And Kyle Juszczyk. That was only six names. Yeah, I know. Like, there's a couple guys that did it twice. Oh. And then Dalvin Cook is the other one. So, either way. Yeah. Offense. But you got to give. Got to keep rolling. You got to give credit, too, to Zimmer because his defensive game plan of inside, you know, 20 to 20, I'm going to let you do whatever you want. Once you get in the red zone, we are clamping down and shutting you down. Because the Texans have showed all year that they can hit the big play to Fuller all they want. Nothing else is working. Nothing else on that offense was clicking. I mean, they'll get a, a chunk play on a run here, you know, a crossing route to Cooks or one of the other stills. But other than that, they have the deep bomb to Fuller. And if they don't hit that, their drive stall so often. The offense has no identity. It was very ugly. And... I give credit to Zimmer because he game-planned them into their worst-case scenario in that game. The Texans used to be able to play boat race. Yeah. But they traded away Hopkins. say they had the best wide receiver And in now the they can't. <laughs> they tried to replace Hopkins with Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb, and I'm sorry, but even if you glued them together, they're still not half as good as Hopkins. Three-man-legged race, go. Yeah, feels, yes. good. feels good to win. Winning is nice. <laughs> Try that again. You play Let me tell you what. to win the game. Winning the game. It does kind of feel nice, right? Because for the first time this season, for the first time in forever, the Eagles won a game, guys. In prime time. Under the lights. Carson and the kids. I don't know. I got this feeling last year. I don't know, Steve. You might remember. When they went on their little run with Carson and the practice squad, I kept saying, you know, maybe they just get rid of these veteran players and just roll with the kids. Because, I don't know, you brought in Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham. Yeah, tell me you've heard that name before. Only because it's John Hightower, a fifth-round book, uh, fifth-round pick. John Hightower comes in, catches a pivotal fourth down which was a pick play from Travis Fulgham on the pick. It was very nice. And Carson done. just had the steal to just go to him. But let me just tell you this. Eagles win 25-20 over a very banged-up 49ers team. I will give them that. They're missing half their defense. Jimmy G probably whatever. But Raheem Mostert not playing is a big deal for them. But, hey, we're 1-2-1 one, and one in first place in the NFC least. Carson Wentz had a... 
dramatically better game than any game he's had this year. 18 for 28, 193 yards and a touchdown. Still one interception. In interceptions. <laughs> that, that interception he had was not on him. I heard the I broadcast. Know I know it wasn't. Ripping him and Twitter ripping him. And I was like, the ball was batted down at the line and it just happened to drop into a linebacker's lap. It's not like he made a bad throw. Get, shut the fuck up. Carson did add a rushing touchdown on 37 rushing yards. And let me tell you what, Carson took that whole, you tell me I have to stay in the pocket and be more of a passer thing, and he shoved it right up everybody's ass. I don't know, the coaching staff. The last two games combined, he has over 100 yards rushing again. He is back to, if there's not going to be anything there, I'm taking off. Yeah, I'm going to take some licks, but you know what? Fuck it. Because if I don't, the offense doesn't move. So good for him. Yeah, and you can't just, I mean, for a guy like him and... You know, you harping on, you know, all the speed. Uh, if you're going to play that style of offense, you know, when they get all these guys back, if they get all these guys back healthy, and you want to play that vertical game, like, you need your quarterback to get out of the pocket and extend the play to allow the guys to get down the field. Like, I, I think Carson is so line. good when he's outside of the pocket and throwing on the run. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't understand why people criticize him for doing that. Like, he's one of the better ones. Yeah, and we talked. I spoke about Travis Fulgham already. He had two catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. That one touchdown was the was it 42 yarder, no, 44 yarder, the go ahead touchdown. What a ball by Carson! First of all, yep. He was asked after the game. Fulgham was about that play, and he's run it once in practice, and he said Carson hit him in stride just like he did in the game. They literally had one rep of that play. And I guess in the the huddle, Carson said, told them, looked at him and said, you be ready on this one. Yeah, he was, wasn't he signed off the practice squad on Saturday? Yes. Yeah, so yep. <laughs> literally. He was draft. I think he was an undrafted free agent by the Lions last year. He was cut. He went to the Packers practice squad yep. and was cut. And now he's with the Eagles and... Just to put it in perspective, he had two catches for 57 yards, and he now has more catches than J.J. or Sega Whiteside, who still has zero. Not a good I mean, pick. <laughs> I, I know, we, you know, we have a text thread. We text during games. You know, we communicate. And when I saw that Jordan Mailata was starting at left tackle, I was incredibly nervous. If you don't know who Jordan Mailata is... He is an Australian rugby player that was drafted by the Eagles a few years ago. He has literally never played a game of football. American Ever. football. Ever played a game of football. I like mean, an actual game on, whistle, kickoff. He was stuck at left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles in prime time and said, you're starting. And he held his own, which was awesome to see. I mean, he wasn't... Great wasn't, you know, blow your doors off, but he was good. He was good enough. He didn't give up any sacks. I think they said he's now has 82 snaps that he has not given up a sack. Not bad for a guy who's never played the game. Like, literally ever. I'm not talking like he's never played in the NFL. He's literally never played a game, ever. That was big. That was big. Silly Aussies. But the offense... Did enough to win? Were they awesome? No, they only had 267 yards of offense. But Carson completed um, 
Receded. Ooh. Completed <laughs> passes to seven different receivers. That's where this <laughs> roster is right now, where you don't. I mean, Zach Ertz had, what, nine yards on three catches or whatever it was? He was a ghost. Well, there. I mean, San Francisco gives up the least amount of passing yards to tight ends, like, through last season. So yeah, that well, wasn't I mean, a huge surprise. If you're smart, when you play the Eagles, you bring pressure because the line is so beat up. At one point, we had zero of our starters, projected starters, at the beginning of the year in. Kelsey had gone out hurt. Lane Johnson was out hurt. We literally had five backup offensive linemen playing. Yeah, Kelsey could use some work on his snaps, too. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, he was playing through something, I think, because he was off on that one to Hurts. He was off on a couple to Wentz. But he sent a laser back to, to Carson. <laughs> it looked like he was in the uh, middle of his cadence. Carson needed to be eight foot six to get that snap. <laughs> But I think the best part of this game, though, was that first drive for me when, you know, all week Doug was taking crap for the tie. And rightfully so. We gave him crap, too, for playing for the tie. And, you know, people judging him, saying he, you know, he lost that aggressiveness. He goes down, opening touchdown, and he says, you know what? Fuck it. We're going for two. I don't care what the analytics say. We're going for two. Awesome play design. Boom. Two-point conversion. Yeah, that was the first note that and I had in this game. it made a big difference. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, you put the pressure on early, and then once you get down to the nitty-gritty here, again, we talked the final score is 25-20. You know, take that two-point conversion off the game. It's a field goal game, and now you can potentially play to overtime, but now you have to score a touchdown. So the aggressiveness pays off again for old Dougie. It looked like he definitely wanted to win this game this week. Yep, and I mean, even the defense. The defense, bare cornerback depth. They're bringing guys up off the practice squad, guys off the street in for depth. And, you know, they might not be the best, most talented group, but this week against this roster, they came to play. And Darius Slay stuck with Debo. He stuck with Ayuk. Anybody that came his way, they were shut down. I don't think he gave up a catch which is dope. But Craven LeBlanc really flashed for me. He was the one that forced the fumble. Yep. He, he was all over the field all night. Forced to and, fumble with his helmet. <laughs> yep. And my boy from the CFL, Alex Singleton, with the pick six. Thanks, couple Nick big Mullins. TFLs. But the defense as a whole, four sacks, five tackles for loss, two picks, and a forced fumble. We've always said that this team was going to go as far as that defensive line would push them. And they were getting pressure, which caused the interceptions, the fumbles, the bad throws. I'm happy. We won a game. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, we need to get better. Blah, blah, blah. Obviously, every team needs to get better every week. A tough match this week with the Steelers. But hey, when you're in a rut and you win a game in prime time, you know, it can really turn your season around. Yeah. Last it, year we did this to the the Packers. Remember that Packers yeah, game? Yeah, I do. In prime time. I think I mean this game just goes to show that the Eagles are really working their tails off out there. Carson and the kids, baby. <laughs> that's, like, that, that's Carson's go to, like Sean saying absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Elijah. Hi. 
You're awful quiet over there. Well, you two didn't stop talking for the last 20 minutes. I don't know what to tell you. You would talk, and then Steve would yell at you about how right you were, and then you'd talk some more, and Steve would be like, that's absolutely correct. So, yeah, that's where we're at. Well, going to be happy for each other when we get our first win in the same week. Yeah, right? <laughs> also, do you remember uh, early on in, in your podcast career when uh, we, we told you what the Patriots were going to look like before they got Cam Newton? Did you say they were going to be two and two? <laughs> well, they were Wolf two and one three because and of Cam Newton. <laughs> and then this game happened, and boy, oh boy. Here's the thing. This game uh, was, uh, they played football, kind of. Uh, Brian they went Hoyer through the motions, of course. Uh, was really bad at football, and somehow he plays it professionally, which I don't particularly understand. Because if he had just been below average at football, or if he had just been like normally bad at football, they'd have had a chance at it. Uh, but he was so bad, and then Julian Edelman was so bad at fo- all the old. And he people had the dropsies. Were so bad at football. If if you'd have just run out in this game, if the Patriots had only played people that were like twenty nine and younger, they probably would have won. Like Cam Newton, be damned. I don't know how old Stephon Gilmore and the McCordy twins are. Well, I know they're all older than 29. But still, the Patriots played pretty well, and then they just fucking gave it away. So last week I talked about moral victories and said they could have a moral victory this week. And what their defense did this week was, I think, a moral victory. But what the whole team did as a whole was a stupid fucking just... Ugh. Just a load I of really a think lawn that delay. where like a dog shows up and smells it, and they're still like, "I don't like that." And it's a dog, and they like everything. So no, it was really bad. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, that delay. I mean, the postponing till Monday, the grounding of their plane, all that. It it took a toll on them. You could tell right from the get go that, you know, they were not in their normal rhythm. I agree, and I don't agree. Game wide, game way, woo the be bang. And yeah. all that. Yeah. The defense showed up and held Patrick uh, Patrice Mahomes. Realistically, they held him to 19 points because seven of those points was when Julian Edelman decided to tip it up like it was a volleyball drill with the other team, and he just walked it in. So if you look at the Patriots' defense, they came and they came to play. And if you look well, also, at the, the Chiefs' offense, offense looked like they were out of sync, too. terrible. But you have to give. So if you're going to give, uh, you know, Kudos to one side. You have to give it to the other. So the Patriots' defense looked solid. They were good. They were they were they were good. Uh, Brian Hoyer gave up at least three points at the end of the first. He gave up at least three points and and realistically more than that early in the the second half. And then Jared Stidham came in and. Well, what about the halftime where he gets sacked? That's what I'm talking about. At the end of the first half, when Brian yeah, Hoyer was, decides what that he's, he's like Lamar Jackson, he's like, you know what? Escapability, bitches. And it's like, you're a 34-year-old white guy, Brian. You don't have any hair or any escapability. Maybe you should just throw it away, take the field goal, and go away because you've been in the league for 13 years, and that's your job. I went to Michigan State. Burr. No one cares, Brian. Just do what you're supposed to do here. And he didn't, and they lost because of it. Now, that being said... Uh, uh, Jared Stidham came in 
and did slightly better. And when I say slightly better, he handed it to Damian Harris twice, who gained 80 yards on nothing at all, which was fine. And then he decided to throw a terrible pass to Nikhil Harry that he caught for a touchdown. And then he threw an okay pass to Julian Edelman, which he did a fucking spike drill on, threw it to the other team. He ran it into the end zone. So like Denny Green said, I don't know. You already you already did the Denny Green thing, so who cares? Like They are who we thought they were. And we lost the game. So that's fine. You know, I heard from a very smart sportcaster one time, Dale Arnold. We share the last name. He's on WEI, but he's kind of dumb. He said you only get one moral victory a year. And like Dale said, hashtag Teddy Dale Bruce for life. Dale for life. No, Dale said it too. I don't care about Teddy. Teddy had a stroke once. Who cares? So uh, you get one moral victory a year, and we use it on the Seahawks. So we should be very sad. And I am. And drunk. Who cares? Listen, the Patriots ran the ball exceptionally well against Kansas City. 185 yards. And I had mentioned in the previous episodes that, you know, I thought that's what they were going to have to do in order to keep the Chiefs offense on the sideline. They had great success with it. It's just when you come down to three interceptions thrown and a fumble lost, that's what decided the game for them. Um First half, and like I said in our Xbox chat, six to three, Patriots are down. Even with the debacle at the end of the first half, you have to be thrilled with the way that the teams played. Like yes, their team was but, playing terrible, and the Patriots' defense was incredible. Like that is exactly what you need to see because that's what they're going to have to do to win games the rest of the year. The one thing I do want to talk about, and I know it's not why the Patriots lost. They lost because they did stupid things. The call on the Patrick Mahomes interception slash fumble slash incomplete pass was one of the worst calls I've seen in a very long time in the NFL. And then the explanation... It wasn't even a call. The explanation behind it was even worse than the call. He was like, uh, hey, yeah, I mean, uh, they had a hand on him, so he was in the grass, so he's down. So if, if that's the rule we're going with, I'm on board. But any time any person touches the quarterback, He's down. Like, we're not playing two-hand touch. We're playing one-hand touch. You touch that quarterback, he's down. Because that's what... Uh, uh, I already forgot the ref's name because I hate him. He looks like a vampire. We'll call him Nosferatu. Uh, he said, you know, a uh, uh, defensive player touched him. His uh, momentum was stopped, so he was down. All right, well... I guess let's go back to the Super Bowl back in uh, 2008, and I guess we won that one, boys. All right. Bad bad call. Not good. It's not good. Nope. You stop right there because (laughs) it's time. It's all time. It's all time. Studs and duds, studs and duds, it's all time for studs and duds. Studs and duds is back for week four of the NFL. Elijah Arnold. Hi. Stud me, studly. Uh, Joe Mixon, he was good at football last week, and he deserves it. So he wasn't good for the first few weeks, but then last week he was good. And he like ran it or whatever, and then scored touchdowns. It was pretty cool for him. Yeah. 
Help Joel Burrow get his first victory. Segment. Uh, my first stud, Odell Beckham Jr., had five receptions for 81 yards. Two of those five receptions were touchdowns. Also, they did an end around. Uh, basically iced the game away. He ran it 50 yards, made one big move, and then see you bye. 50-yard touchdown, touchdown where he was really like 80 because he got oh, yeah. the ball 30 yards <laughs> behind the line of scrimmage. Dude, not to mention one of those... Uh, receptions he had for a touchdown was a double reverse throw from Jarvis Landry, yep. which is another one of those ridiculous things. Like you hand the ball off twice, you're 25 yards behind the line. If this goes sour, like you're looking at, you know, third and 50. And uh, yeah, nice, that end around nice was crazy. There. I have uh, one thing I hate, and maybe you agree, maybe you don't. Those little touch passes where the quarterback doesn't actually throw the ball, you know, he just kind of releases it six inches in front of him on these yeah. end of rounds and they run for however long. Those those aren't passes, but they count. I mean, so, threw the ball forward. It's the same thing as a screen pass. It, it, no, is it though? Because a screen pass, your arm I, technically it goes over. The line. Okay, I understand what the technicality is, Stephen. But what I was talking about was the practicality, not the technicality. So, so Patrice Mahomes uh, just... So if 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 Ty- Tyreek Hill, Tariq the cheetah, is running around and he hands it to him, it's a run. If he literally just tosses it an inch in the air, it's technically a pass. And I think that's so silly in terms of passing yards and, what and, and records. If what you happens? throw the ball backwards, what's it, it called? It's called a it's lateral. not a pass. Nope. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, technically yeah. a lateral would be if it was run. lateral. So if you throw the ball and you throw it behind you to a guy and then he runs, I have it's technically n- a running no, play. I have no idea how that uh, relates to Brandon what I'm talking Ayuk. about it's, with passing. It's, it's the opposite Brandon of Ayuk. what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Why would himself, you talk about the opposite of the thing? throws it behind himself, thing. it's a run. Right. Yes. Okay. So if he... Sure. So even if it's a, a foot in front of him, it's technically a pass, a forward pass. So All right, my first stud. It, <laughs> I understand what technicalities are. I was talking about the practicality of it, and then you talked about the technicality again, so I guess we'll never agree. George yeah, Kittle <laughs> is my first stud. 15 catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown on my Philadelphia Eagles. He caught 15 passes on 15 targets. But you know what he did drop? A very important two-point conversion that C.J. Beathard could have walked into the end zone, but for some reason he tried to flip it, and it was incomplete. But still, Jorge Kittle is my first stud. Dot Sprea. He uh, did not start on Elijah Arnold's team of players in the Fantasy Football League, so that was tough for me, but it was a really good play. And I'm 4-0, so I'm happy with all those things. Who's your uh, next stud there, Wang Doodle? Uh, my next stud's Aaron Rodgers. He is on the revenge tour. He's solid all year. He's throwing it around. There's a bunch of like weird social media stuff. He keeps posting about ex-girlfriends, but I'm totally into it. Like, hey, I threw four touchdowns, and, you know, I don't need no woman. And it's like, yeah, man, you don't. You just keep slinging it. Steve, yeah. hold on. Before you do yours, let me get a puke bucket. Okay, go ahead. How about Thomas Edward Patrick Brady the third? 
369 yards, five touchdowns. And a pick six. Name anything more uh, relatable. And he won the game. He did. I'm All just right, a jealous. Last, I'm a jealous lover at this point. My last stud is dedicated to my baby brother, Mr. Stephen James Lemon. I'm going with Big Bob Tanyan because guess what, guys? The Green Bay Packers got rid of Mike McCarthy a couple years ago and figured out you're allowed to throw to your tight ends, so they're doing it. Big Bob had six catches for 98 yards and three, count them, one, two, three, three touchdowns for Big Bob. Big Bob had an amazing game. Does anyone else think Big Bob might never catch another touchdown besides me? Like, this is it. That was Big Bob. No, he's he's got like five or six this season already. Yep, yeah. exactly. And that's it. He's done. Nah, they're, All right. They're beat up at the wide receiver position, so I think he's a great security blanket right now for, for Rodgers. Let's get those Dudley do-rights rocking. Anybody want to start with a dud? I'll start with a dud. Uh, at the end of the first half of the Patriots-Chiefs game, the Patriots could have tied it up if they did anything besides what they did. Brian Horder decided to pull Lamar Jackson without the athletic ability or talent and took a sack with, uh, what, 10, 11 seconds left? 10 seconds I think left? it was like two. It was like <laughs> well, seven no, when, when, when he the play hiked, started. I think. Whenever he hiked it. And uh, the clock ran out, and they got no points. And instead of going in tied, they went in down by three, and it just snowballed from there. All right, my first dud is going to be a combination of folks. It's Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Michelle Tafoya. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but like over 200,000 people just in our country have died from the coronavirus. It's not a joke. It's not funny. And their little bit about wearing masks and complaining about it the whole game. Like, listen, there's seven-year-old kids that wear those masks for six, seven hours a day in school. I think you can fucking handle wearing it for three hours on a television broadcast. Complaining about your big-ass elephant ears hurt. I don't want to hear it, Chris. I will fully admit I missed all of that. And that would have probably been my first dud because I'd have been very angry. But it's the first it was I've it was bad. It. Like they were in California, beautiful, and it's the it's law mandate. in California yep. that you have to wear a mask when you're out in public. So sucks to suck. They just fucking whined about it to open the show and made it. Michelle Tafoya said something, and Chris is like, "Well, you still look good, even with the mask on." Like, I would, you, Chris Collins, or like, shut if, the fuck up. These guys want to complain about. Having to announce a football game, like I'll go do it in my underwear with a baby crocodile stuck to my nuts. Like, I don't care. Whatever, whatever you want me to do to heighten the ratings. Listen, we'll I don't have any about crocodiles, mask, and I don't also have any underwear. But I'll also announce the game. The three of us would make for one hell of a call. I'll Can you, you imagine? That. They'd only let us do it once, but it would Better be, a be great serious day. XM. <laughs> No, we I should just do that. We should record ourselves watching a game we have never seen and just commentating it. Honestly, it shouldn't even be a big game. Like we should have someone else pick a random like like pointless game in 1994 between two teams that are bad and we'll just do it. Like we're not doing like the 85 Super Bowl. Just like 
All right, here we go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, I don't know, the Jaguars didn't exist then, but, you know, another team. We'll didn't get, the Jags you know, and the Bucks come in? That, never mind. <laughs> we'll get Elijah to have a... Then, I think? We'll get Elijah to have a Al, Chris, and Michelle moment when we tell him he's not allowed to drink on the job. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm not allowed to drink on the job. I'm on the job and I'm at home. You come take it from my hand. They are who we thought they were. Steve, uh, get duddy. So my duds this week... Are the Jets, the Texans, the Giants, and the Falcons. You may ask why. Oh, that's because they're all 0-4. No team that has gone winless in the first four weeks of any given season since 1992 has made the playoffs. So, one, two, three, four. You can make those the top four draft choices moving forward. (laughs) Here we go. One of those teams has fired their coach already. The three others should follow. Especially the Falcons. Yes. So, All right. uh, which one of those four teams do you think Eric Bieniemy is going to be the head coach of next year? <laughs> I guess I would take the Falcons' job if I were him. Me too. The Texans are going to be a mess for years to come because O'Brien traded everything not fucking screwed to the floor. And they have no cap space at all for the next couple of years. <laughs> and no draft picks. So, good luck fielding a team of 53 players. Elijah, did you give your last stud yet? Uh, I gave my stud, yep. Dud. Your last dud. dud. Oh, it was Brian Hoyer in the second half because he did stupid stuff then, too. Okay. It was like he didn't <laughs> learn. So in the first half, he was like, I got I got between 7 and 11 seconds, depending on who you listen to. And I fucked it up. And then in the second half, he was like, I'm on the six-yard line. You know what I should do? The same fucking thing. And uh turns out that wasn't so good. And the Patriots, despite being within 10 yards of the end zone on multiple occasions, came away with zero points. Oops. Whoops. A big whoopsie. All right. My last dud is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. The whole team. Because do I care that Dak Prescott is on pace for 7,000 yards this year? No, I'm not joking. He's on pace for 7,000 yards this year. No. The Dallas Cowboys are a dud because they are the weirdest fucking team in the universe. They're 1-3, first of all. They should be 0-4. Thanks for nothing, Atlanta. And they're one of the highest scoring, most productive offenses in the league. But that defense is so incredibly bad that if Dallas does not score on every single possession, they lose. It's incredible to watch. It's amazing to see that offense with Gallup and Lamb and Cooper and Zeke when he holds onto the ball. Dak when he holds onto the ball. You'd have a proficient offense if you played against a sticks defense for three quarters of game two. It's amazing. It's They were <sighs> losing forty one to fourteen going into the fourth quarter. Like And then they just start snapping points off, which well, they've shown it all year. Even defense. Even when they haven't been behind, they've been in games where they're just scoring at will. And then they give up like a three-play, 84-yard drive in 17 seconds. That defense is historically bad. We talked about how the Saints defense was historically bad just a few years ago. Dude, this team is going to set records for points given up. Who, who's the defensive coordinator now? Uh, Mike, 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 Mike Nolan, Maybe. I think. 
whatever he's trying to do, they're not getting it, folks. They need to try something else. Or don't. Just keep doing it because I like to see them lose. So Dallas, you spent all that money. You got all those weapons. You said and you're money. one in three. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're putting up 524 yards a game and allowing 438 and allowing 36.5 points a game. It's not the way you want to play football. It's not the way you want to play with Elijah's footballs. <laughs> Got him. All right. Let's get to our newest segment, Plays of the Week. Plays of the Week. Having a good time. Plays of the Week. Never a Plays of the Week. Brought to you by Elijah's Drunken Stupor. Monday through Elijah's Friday. And Saturday and com. By the way, we got a email from elijahspants.com asking us to never promote them again. And that's why we're on elijahshorts.com. Because they <laughs> breathe better and fuck pants. <laughs> that's the guy who works from home. Exclusively. All right, somebody hit me with a play of the week. My play of the week is tomorrow on Wednesday when I wake up hungover and don't have to go to work. What, what? <laughs> uh, starting on Thursday night, Brett Rippin underthrows Jerry Judy near the goal line. Jerry Judy rips it out of the uh, New York Jets defensive backman's hands and slowly trots in backwards. For the touchdown. <laughs> so whomever it was from the Jets, you got mossed. Is that the technical term? Is it is the defensive defensive backman? Because that's what I want it to be. I, I would assume it is. That's why I said it. <laughs> Elijah now from Elijah forty two minutes ago is a whole new world. <laughs> a whole new Sam Darnold. So I, uh, so Sam Darnold's run was amazing for a couple different reasons. One, if he was not a quarterback, he would not have scored a touchdown. Like we should all agree on that. He got uh, uh, a bunch of extra space because people were afraid of a 15-yard roughing call. And when quarterbacks run that aren't named Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton or uh, sure. Uh, they get a little extra cushion. So he gave a little wiggle to he gave a little wiggle to the, the linebacker and the linebacker missed him. And then he just jogged into the end zone. But here's the thing, his jog took fifty yards and no one tackled him. So that is why Sam Darnold, despite being out probably for the rest of the year, who cares? The Jets are terrible, scored one of the more impressive touchdowns of the NFL season, because he's not that athletic or good at football or good at running or juke moves. But he scored a fifty-yard touchdown. I, thought I, think had a, a I think he's a good quarterback on a bad team. Who yeah, cares? His, they're Gase. wasting his career. Adam Gase just kills anything he touches. We'll see in the next Played. year or two. You know, if he's good, he'll do it. If not, he won't. Joe Flacco starts this week, and we'll see if he's as good as Sam Darnold. Well, I'm gonna tie my play of the week in with one of my duds. Because my play of the week is going to come from the Cleveland-Dallas football contest that took place this previous weekend. 
And you might be thinking, whoa, he's going to take the end around to Jarvis Landry. Nope, he stops and fires to OBJ. Touched. Nope, that's not the play. Could it be the Dallas pulls within a score? First play from scrimmage. The end around to OBJ. He goes 30 yards back and then breaks it for a huge touchdown. Nope, that's not it. Let me tell you this, because only the Dallas Cowboys could fuck this up. OBJ breaks that big end around for a touchdown to blow it open. Cleveland attempts the point after try. That is a one-point field goal attempt, right? The Dallas Cowboys block this point after try. Dallas Cowboys defender Jalen Smith, for some reason, tries to dive on this ball, and it pops out and rolls into the end zone. Recovered by Cleveland for a successful two-point try. The first and probably only time in NFL history you will see a blocked PAT returned for two points by the kicking team. What was the... Uh, that's similar to the Leon Lett play back in the day in the snow. A blocked punt, and he ran back and tried to pick it up, and then the other team got to return it. Yeah. That was a shit show. <laughs> Uh, man, I was splitting wood listening to that game, and I literally had to stop and come inside and see this because I did not believe what the radio broadcaster was saying to me. <laughs> Plays of the Week brought to you by the back of Elijah's phone. You want to be on Elijah's phone? Take your pants off now. It's sticky. <laughs> Let's move on to Week 5 coming up. We hopefully will have games played. I know... For a point during the week last week after we recorded, all this COVID stuff broke out. So I'm a little nervous. How many more games we are going to have because, you know, they moved the Titans-Steelers down to what would have been a further along bye week. They gave them this week as the bye week. It's a big mess. What are they going to do when teams run out of bye weeks? Like When everybody's had their bye week and then, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars have an outbreak. What are they going to do then? Are they going to have week 19, week 20, week 21, while a team that did great made the playoffs has to sit out for four weeks so that teams that aren't going to make the playoffs can finish their games? Yes, that know. is what they're going to do. They had no contingency plan whatsoever. I, I said before, you know, when we talked about them releasing the schedule there's no loopholes in it. Like they're just operating as if Corona can't affect them whatsoever. So I I don't know what their plan is once they can't finagle one of these games to a different week and then slap these games in here. Cause this week is actually the first scheduled week teams have a bye. So some yep. of these teams no longer have the option to even, you know, oh, we'll just give them a bye week this week and then take away their bye later on. So they're running out of time and I think it's painfully obvious that some of these players just don't care about it and they're being loosey-goosey and well it's costing them and it's going to cost them money because they're not going to play and then it's costing their team because some of these guys are the best players on their teams so yeah after this week is is the the outbreak with dustin hoffman equivalent right so if all of a sudden the packers have something two three Six weeks from now, uh, however many weeks it is, they don't have a bye week to play Next with. week. <laughs> yeah, it could literally be next week. Uh, Cam Newton got it. He was out this week. 
somehow, and I still do not understand how, and I'm not sure I fully believe it, out of a team of 53 plus however many, it's like 13 practice. So um, Breaking news, uh, they did put a practice squad defensive tackle on the COVID reserve lift of list about three hours ago. Uh, is this 7.30? Okay, yeah, so same thing, same idea. Like somehow Cam Newton and some random person are the only people with it. But are they really? Like do we really believe that? And and maybe they are. That that might be true. But once bye weeks start happening, either you extend the season substantially, you know, the Super Bowl is not played in the second week in February, or we're just done. Like that's it and we're finished. Cuz it's only four weeks in now, and we've already had substantial impact to the season. So there are worse yep. weeks coming, I assume, just yeah, just and, v- uh, in terms of virology, right? Well, like the, so you brought up, you brought up Green Bay, and I think it was in a hypothetical, but there have been so many like COVID cases and hospitalizations in Wisconsin that the Packers announced today they're not going to have fans all season. I didn't even know Wisconsin was a state until today. You learn something new every day. Thanks. Well, the league also changed the language on, you know, COVID outbreaks where they're going to now start making teams forfeit games if they deem that the, you know, players or coaches were negligible in they find a couple guys on the Raiders. So the Raiders are having a charity event with That's not it. wearing masks. The Raiders are terrible. The Raiders have lost all the games for the rest of the year. The Raiders placed defensive tackle Maurice Hurst on the reserve COVID list today. And that guy that was placed on the COVID list by the Patriots, defensive tackle Bill Murray. <gasps> he was great in Zombieland. <laughs> Bill fucking Murray. <laughs> All right, week five, let's keep it rolling because the Philadelphia Eagles are traveling to catch-up field to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And after last week, I don't know. I'm looking at Carson and the kids, baby. Can they continue to build something? Can they keep the magic rolling and do just enough to squeak out a victory? When you look at Pittsburgh, they have the 30th rank offense in the league. Their offense has not been great so far this year. They're undefeated. They're 3-0. But they have the 30th ranked offense. Eagles came in at coming in at 24. They also didn't play their fourth game. So that probably right. adds into the numbers a bit. <laughs> Maybe. But their offense hasn't been great. So, I mean, you got two of the bottom third teams on offense. Clashing. I think where Pittsburgh has the 100% advantage is the defense. They have the number one rated defense in the league. The Eagles, not too bad. Middle of the pack-ish, 14th. But after last week, you know, confidence is building. You know, can the defense continue to make plays? Roethlisberger does not have the escapability he once had. Maybe he can force him into a couple bad decisions like he did Nick Mullins. The last time these two teams played was Carson Wentz's rookie year. Philadelphia won 34-3. I expect the complete opposite to happen. Not 34-3, but, you know, Pittsburgh is a blitz-happy team. 
Pittsburgh is a blitz-happy team, and we watch Sunday Night Football. You've watched what happens when that Eagles offensive line is under duress. The recipe to fuck with Carson is the pressure. Pressure, pressure. That offensive line can't hold up right now. Maybe they can start building some continuity and some confidence, and things will start to get you know a little better, but until I see it, I don't believe it. And the way to beat them is to just bring the pressure. They need to find a way to neutralize it, to you know, get creative. We saw a lot of different formations and motions and stuff we hadn't seen from Philadelphia this year, so that was encouraging. But what they need to do is stop with the fucking trick plays the second they get into field goal range. Holy shit, doctor. The Jalen Hurts fumble that knocked them out of field goal range. Luckily, they had the big Travis Fulgham touchdown. But the snap over Carson's head for a 17-yard loss. Guys, don't get all fucking cute. When you get in field goal range, get in, the, get in red zone. When you're in the red zone, then you can be all hippity-hoppity, Philly special, have some fun. Don't do it on the edge of field goal range with a team that's having trouble scoring points. Miles Sanders needs to put his foot in the ground and get moving north and south, too. That's all he did in that San Francisco game was just dance around and try to hit a home run every single time they handed them the ball. And they say he's not hurt, but he didn't finish that game. It was Corey Clement yeah. and Boston Scott. That was I, weird, I think too. Doug just didn't like what he was doing out there, and I would have done the same thing. Um, back to Sean's point about the Steelers being the 30th ranked offense in the league, that would mean that Philadelphia's offense has to be 31 or 32 because the Steelers are averaging almost 400 yards a game on offense. So if statistically as like a, you know, a sum of the games, maybe they are 30th because they haven't played a fourth game like everybody else. But I thought that their offenses looked pretty good. James Conner looks like he's going to have a hell of a season. He's healthy, ready to go. And Roethlisberger looks better than he has in the last three or four years. I mean, he's old. here's, the, here's he the thing. Old. Can this defensive secondary for the Eagles slow down guys like Smith-Schuster? Yes. Because that's going to be, you know, where it is. That's where Ben wants to go. Slow him down. And, and he's going to uh, have Darius Slay all over him all game. And we'll see. We'll see who wins that battle. That's going to be the deciding factor for me. And when for an Eagles fan, I feel like this is a game we really have to win because, I don't, first of all, you don't want to go 1-3-1. and one, But second of all, you have the Ravens next week. So out of those two games, which game is more winnable to me? And I'm going to say it's the Steelers game. You're more apt to stopping a Big Ben offense than a high-flying Lamar offense, especially when your linebackers are hot garbage. This is one they got to have because Dallas is playing the Giants this week, and that seems like a pretty easy win for Dallas. <laughs> and then you mentioned you guys play the Ravens next week, and then your next three weeks are Giants, Cowboys, Giants. <laughs> Reno. All right, how about them Vikings, Sunday Night Football? Let Russ well, cook. It's, uh, it's Kirk Cousins in primetime, so we already know we can go ahead and say they're going to lose the game because that's what everybody always says. <laughs> they're definitely going to lose the game. Uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson has just made everybody look like his son so far this year. Uh, and by that, I just mean like 
if I went out and played football against my two sons, I would win a million to zero. And that's basically what he's done so far this year. Um, but at least you didn't name your son the stupid names. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy's thrown for almost 1,300 yards already this year. And in an offense where the passing hasn't been at the forefront. Like, they are usually a run-first team. And that's a, that's been a huge difference for them. They actually can have a passing offense. Uh, 16 touchdowns so far this year. And you have the Minnesota secondary, which can't stop a fart with a screen door, as Sean once said. Boom! <laughs> um, yeah, so it's this is going to be a control game if you're going to have any chance. Get Dalvin Cook going and, um, you know, try to hold the ball for a lot longer than Seattle can have it because you're going to have a really difficult time slowing down this passing offense. And Seattle's defense is there to, you know, take advantage of through the passing game, but you got to have to play possession ball. Um, this isn't going to be the you know the game that Mike Zimmer wants to play. I just don't think that they have the secondary to play that game. And uh, but hey, this is why we play the game, right? Third year in a row, the Vikings have to go to play in Seattle during the regular season, and this time, no fans. Yeah, that's. That is huge when you talk about playing in Seattle. Mr. Elijah of the Arnold clan, I must ask, because your team is playing a game of American football, supposedly, against the Denver Broncos this week. That's a 4 p.m. game. Hey, all of our teams play at different times. That's great. To watch all the games. That is so cool. Let us text each other about American football. Because it's not safe to be in the same room. We must socially distance, right? I almost helped you cut wood, but then I moved my house instead. Yep. And I see Steve three times a week in person. We touch, so. What? Hands. What parts? Touching hands. Wrong podcast. Oh, God. Should we sing it? I want to sing it so bad. Reaching out. Touching you. (laughs) You skipped a line. I don't care. (laughs) So uh, what about this Patriots game this week? Yeah. I think the Patriots will probably beat the Broncos because the Broncos are bad and the Patriots are bad. But I think the Patriots are less bad. Cam Newton won't be back. I don't think Brian Hoyer will be back either, thank God. Allegedly. Literally, so there's a thing to be said for starting veteran backups. And Brian Hoyer is a veteran backup. He's been in the league for a decade. And, you know, it's you know we'll start him instead of Stidham because Hoyer won't fuck it up. But then he fucked it up. He just Let he, me tell you what. I've said it a billion times. My fucking pet peeve when it comes to quarterbacks. Is it with a B? Other positions is the you have to have a veteran a veteran has to come you have to play somebody who's started before why what the what has that ever fucking fucking accomplished because jared stidham could have been just as bad as brian hoyer at the end of like like the whole thing has always been for the patriots the whole thing has been situational football all right maybe brian hoyer made one throw jared stidham can't make i don't know i don't know but what I do know 
is that Jared Stidham could have fucked up the shit Brian Hoyer fucked up just as good as Brian Hoyer did. Yeah, and how, how does how do we ever get new players in this league if you can't play? You're going to start the veteran because the the rookie or the young guy has never started a game. There's, well, how do they ever get that starting experience if you if by those rules you can't ever play them? There is absolutely a veteran bias towards quarterbacks. There is, and that's why Brian Hoyer is still on an NFL team because you cannot they, tell. It goes the same way with offensive linemen. It absolutely teams true. teams using that as like a safety blanket, like oh, just in case our starter gets hurt, at least this guy has some experience and we have something to fall back on. That's not always the case. I mean. Look at the Patriots. I did. Drew Bledsoe gets his head knocked off on the sideline. In comes Tom Brady in the next 20 years of fucking golden. Look at Kurt Warner. The guy comes from the Canadian League, finally gets an opportunity, leads the team to two straight Super Bowls. Like, you know, you, you never know what you have until they have an opportunity. And sometimes these guys just need to have that opportunity in order to showcase what they can do. I mean, <laughs> look at yeah, the Broncos for Christ's the sake. They got Drew Locke veteran. as their starter. Fucking Jeff Driscoll was the backup. And then Brett Rippon, who, you know, led Denver to a friggin' victory this past week. Like, you got to give some opportunity to some guys to see what they have and to be able to make a concise decision on whether or not they can make it in this league. And I think that's the divide you're seeing between old school coaches and new school coaches who are more willing to, you know, take that young guy and, you know, especially if the guy's got athleticism. Like if Carson went down, you know you're going to stick Jalen Hurts in there and at the at the worst, he's just going to run for his life. And, he's just running RPOs all day. Yeah. Easy game. Or you could put Josh McCown in there and he could play on half a hamstring. Boy, sitting on his couch getting paid like 20 grand a week. All right, guys, please, 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 please pay attention to this. You're not registered to vote. You need to be registered to vote. We need all people to vote. White, black, even Asian. Do your part. Register to vote. And also, don't be racist. Don't care if you have to say but or anything in a rebuttal to Black Lives Matter. You're wrong. You're just wrong. Okay. I'm they not do. racist, but yeah, yeah, that's it right there. <laughs> You're done. Back your bags, kid. That's gonna do it. Episode 113 of the Joint Practices Podcast is in the books. You could also be on our show. We'll bring you on when we ask you seven football questions. Seven football questions. We'll just have a very good time. We can talk about your team. You know, we'll have a good time doesn't matter what what team you're a fan of. First of all, we've never had any other Eagles fans on here, and that bothers me. So come on, Eagles fans. Somebody, come on the show. Let's talk. Hit us up, jointpracticespod at gmail.com. We will schedule your show. We're also on Instagram at jointpracticespod. Beep. Yeah, whether you're listening on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or Blueberry. You can subscribe, rate, review, share an episode that you thought Elijah said something funny in. And you can also use this hashtag this week. Episode 111. It was hilarious. 
What you got now there, kid? Uh, not as much as episode 111, but certainly tweet us at Joint Practices, at 11 the Goat, at Tanoxes, and at Ron Elijah. Send us a tweet. Uh, the hashtag this week is hashtag November 3rd. I think that'll be the hashtag through November 3rd because that is election day. And we care a lot about that. So let us know you're listening. Vote on November 3rd. That's a Tuesday. Like all of the election days. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Alright, baby. Thanks, baby. Like a slide. Baby! Baby! Division oh, winners! Oh, Viking! Theaters. New England Patriots are less than average. Hooray!